Welcome to Simplify Your Retirement with Certified Financial Planner Stephen Strickland from Wise Wealth LLC. In this podcast, we help individuals and couples plan for a peaceful and enjoyable retirement. Join us on this journey where we explore the importance of simplifying the retirement planning process as Stephen, with his years of experience and expertise in retirement income planning, along with guest experts, will help you achieve first wisdom, then wealth. And don't forget to check out the Simplify Your Retirement online course and other great resources at SimplifyYourRetirement.com. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to Simplify Your Retirement with Stephen Strickland from WiseWealth. Stephen, good morning. Eric, good morning to you. How's it going there? It is fantastic. I know that we were talking before the podcast even started that the sun is out. It's warmer. Yes. Uh, I don't know about you, but all the snow is gone finally. Thank God. <laughs> it's, it right. took, a, took a while. Uh, That's but, right. Uh, We've been enjoying the sunshine. So uh, I'm excited today. You have a guest in studio, and that's Samantha Compton. And she's actually part of your team, correct? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So uh, for those of you who are just joining our, you know, podcast, Simplify Retirement Podcast, we've done, we're in the middle of season two. And I thought here toward the end of season two, I'd bring on some of the uh, great members of our team here, the other financial advisors, and let the audience uh, hear from some of them. Sounds good. Samantha, thank you so much for being on the show today. Absolutely. It's my pleasure to be here. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting back with the rest of the audience getting to know you guys. So let's do this. All right. Thanks, Eric. And uh, Samantha, thanks for joining me on the podcast today. Absolutely. Okay. So I mentioned uh, just a moment ago, so we've done, uh, this is our second season of the Simplify Retirement Podcast. For the most part, everyone who has been listening to this podcast has heard me talk and uh, they understand the philosophy of wise wealth. They understand the philosophy of the Simplify Your Retirement uh, course and also what we teach. And then uh, we've had a few guests on so far. And so today I thought we'd bring on some of our uh, team members. So in today's podcast and the next one, I'm going to introduce the audience to two of our team members. And today first is, uh, as Eric mentioned, Samantha Compton. Samantha um, joined Wise Wealth, joined my team. Uh, this is her fifth year. Yeah. At Wise Wealth with the team. So it's been great to have her on this team. So I, I thought it'd be great to introduce her to everybody in the audience today. So I'm going to give everyone a chance to get to know Samantha a little bit. And then I've got some questions for her that I thought uh, would be relevant to what we've talked about so far. So uh, Samantha, just uh, how long have you been working as a financial advisor? Stephen, I'm getting ready to start my 10th year, wow. just completing my ninth year. So awesome. it has gone by very quickly. Amazing. That really does go by fast. That's great. So you've been doing this for almost uh, 10 years. You're in your ninth year now. And so when you first got started nine years ago, what interested you in this profession? What made you want to become a financial advisor? That is a great question. And I think our answers to those questions would be different. So my answer is that I was, uh, I found myself to be a single mom at age around 38, 39 years mm -hmm. old. And I didn't know anything about long-term finances. I didn't know anything about retirement savings, IRAs, mutual funds, ETFs. Wow. I knew nothing. And the, the way I'm built is mm -hmm. when I want to know something, I just immerse myself in it. Mm -hmm. And so part of that journey of just immersing myself in getting to know what all those things were, I realized, wow, I, I actually kind of enjoy this. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to help all those other people that really don't understand it either. And so that, that's what started the journey. That's awesome. So you went down the journey yourself personally 
started mm-hmm. learning what you needed to know because all of a sudden the decisions were on you yes. to prepare for your own financial future and retirement. And then uh, you felt like you could help other people. Yes. That's awesome. And so uh, what about now? What drives you, motivates you today? I think the same thing. It just, okay. it never stops because every yeah. time I see that awareness happen when people mm-hmm. really don't understand something and then they gain a level of understanding mm-hmm. and what the clarity that they get and the peace that they get from those things is very energizing to yeah. me personally. And and I continue to learn. Right. So the more I learn, the more I want to share. Yeah, so that's I, awesome. I think it's it's an ongoing thing. Yep, that's great. Uh, still, still motivated as much today as you were back then, and probably more so. More so now, <laughs> exactly. Because I understand just how much there really is to yeah, know. the value in it. Yeah, that's good. Um, so, as far as people that you work with, uh, the clients that you serve here, you know, Wise Wealth, what can people expect from you, and who are the people that you love helping? You know, I started off with a real passion to help women understand because I found that there were a lot of women in my age range that really didn't have a lot of understanding. And I know as a woman, I don't ever like to reveal what I don't know Mm -hmm. because then I feel vulnerable. And I don't like feeling – I don't think anybody likes that feeling. Um, So that really started um, who I thought I was going to focus on. And what I found is that whether women are widowed, um, Mm -hmm. divorced, or married, Mm -hmm. they all seem to have very similar concerns and questions about their long-term finances and Mm -hmm. and planning. And so what I found is that it translates to all those situations. So probably about, I mean, I work with just as many married women as I do single women. And I love working with couples because... um, both have a unique voice that they bring mm-hmm. to the conversation. They both have unique concerns. Sometimes they're similar. Sometimes they're different. Right. But what I find is a lot of couples avoid talking about these things because they may be listening with different ears or they right. may have different lenses they're looking through. And the more you can help them actually talk to each other and hear each mm-hmm. other and understand that they may have different concerns, mm-hmm. but a single plan together can address all of those things. And and it brings a lot of unity and that's very mm-hmm. rewarding as well. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, for those of you uh, who don't know, Samantha does have a uh, a um, an organization that's called Wise Women, uh, where she does do uh, classes, she does do workshops here in the uh, the Kansas City area. And if that's something you want to learn more about, you certainly you can call our firm, and you can go to wisewealth.com. That's wisewealth.com to learn more about uh, Wise Women in that organization. Uh, Samantha does a great job. As she mentioned, she does work with single women. And if you're a single uh, lady out there listening to the podcast today, whether you're widowed, uh, whether you're divorced, or whether you've never been married, uh, Samantha certainly is someone uh, who can uh, who can relate to you and understand where you're coming from and really be a great help to you. But not only that, as she said, she she works with many couples here at Wise Well. So it's not just women, it's couples, but you probably do a better job of getting both couples involved in some of these discussions. It seems like generally speaking, you know, if a couple comes in, maybe one person does more of the talking uh, than the other one. And so, um, you know, how do you draw it out of, I guess, of both people when you've got both uh, man and woman, husband and wife in the room with you? Yeah, I've, I find that there's always a CEO of the family yep. and a non-CEO of the family. I should say a CFO. 
CFO, right. really. Yes. Um, yep. And so there's somebody who's always more comfortable talking about mm-hmm. the financial, especially the long-term financial. Mm-hmm. What I find is women a lot of times are, and this is really, you know, in general, because mm-hmm. there are women who are very in tune with their right. long-term finances. So yep. I don't mean to be too general. Right. Um, but a lot of women, because of just the nature of, of how we're built, they have a real good grasp on the cash flow in the home. Mm-hmm. How much is going out to groceries and school yes. and kids and all of these different things. Um, and so what I what I like to say is the non-CFO really needs to have a general understanding mm-hmm. the same as the CFO because if something happens to the CFO, the non-CFO now needs to be able to have a measure of comfort and confidence yep. in the plan going forward because that's where I see the biggest vulnerability mm-hmm. and where I've seen a lot of um, huge financial mistakes right. made is when only the CFO really knew right. what was going on and then something happened and right. the non-CFO now has to step in. And when you yep. make decisions based off fear, mm-hmm. you're really setting yourself up to make some not wise decisions. Yeah. So. That's good. That's a great point. I like that. Uh, so, yeah, t- yeah, there tends to be one CFO in the family. Sometimes, like you said, it is the, the wife. Sometimes it's the husband. But regardless, if someone becomes suddenly single, uh, because of a divorce or because of a death, then certainly the other person needs to to know what the plan is, yes. to understand what the plan is, and know how to act. So yes. that is great. Uh, so that's a little bit about Samantha. Hopefully you guys get to, to see who she is and uh, learn more about her. She's a great financial advisor here with the firm and uh, a great member of our team. And certainly been glad to have you here on my team, uh, Samantha, since uh, since 2016. So uh, we love uh, love the work that you do with clients. You do a great job listening and uh, putting together financial plans for for women and for couples. And so now I want to talk to you just, uh, you know, I thought I'd talk to you today about uh, something we had talked about previous in a previous podcast. In season one, for those of you who are just joining the podcast, in season one of the Simplify Retirement Podcast, we went through really the foundation, everything you need to know to put together a financial plan, a retirement income plan that leads to financial peace of mind. In basically season number two, which is what we're in now, uh, we've just taken a deeper dive into certain issues that we just scratched the surface in in season one. And so one of those issues that we just scratched the surface on in season number one is um, this idea of the three phases of investing. And so I thought I'd bring Samantha on today just to talk to her about that, you know, what the three phases are and why they're important and, and talk about these three phases uh, from a different perspective than we talked about before. So, Samantha, what are the uh, what are the three phases of investing and uh, why are they important for investors to identify? Well, the three phases are the accumulation phase, which, by the way, is the, it generally tends to be the longest phase, mm-hmm. um, the preservation phase, and the distribution phase. Um, in the accumulation phase, you're just you're doing that. You're accumulating assets. Uh, mm-hmm. That's when you're building your retirement savings, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yep. Uh, and then about five to ten years before retirement, we start uh, looking at the preservation phase, mm-hmm. which is really where you're preparing to go into retirement and the distribution phase. Mm-hmm. Why it's so important to know which phase you're in is because the phase is really going to tell you what issues or risks you need to be addressing in order to make sure you have the right products in place. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. Um, and most people just don't even, you know, consider that. It seems like they just either, you know, they're investing in their 401k or they're answering the, the uh, risk profile questionnaire. 
But we believe it's important for people to identify first which phase they're in. Like you said, the longest one you're in, uh, it tends to be the accumulation phase because you're going to be in that all the way until you reach, like you said, five to 10 years before you retire. Um, in, in, in our, in our experience here, um, you know, we, we see people that tend to, to not know about, or if they forget about this preservation phase Mm -hmm. and they go from accumulation to distribution. And we know that it's very important to identify how much of your assets going to take to give you the income you need in the future. So, uh, that's great. Those are the three phases of investing. And as she mentioned, as Samantha mentioned, this is important because, it tells you, as she said, what products you should use. How should your money be invested depends really on what phase you're in. And just by way of review, what I had talked about in the previous podcast was uh, the risk that people need to address and be concerned about when it comes to their investments based on which phase. Today, I want to talk to you about the the, the financial risk you know, what could destroy someone's financial plan when they're in these phases. So what I had mentioned before was when someone's in the accumulation phase, the number one risk we're trying to you know, beat is inflation risk. You, the, people's money has to be invested in such a way to, to beat inflation. Otherwise, they're not getting ahead. During the preservation phase, we're talking about sequence of returns risk. We have to deal with that during that phase. And in the distribution phase, we're dealing with longevity risk. So from, uh, from that's just by way of review for people who did not hear that podcast, and that's really related to how your money should be invested, what products we should use. But what I wanted to talk to you about is there are life and health issues related to each phase too. So somebody has, uh, you know, the right investment mix for the accumulation phase. They have the right investment mix for the preservation phase. They have the right investment mix for the distribution phase. But there are still things outside the investment plan. Your plans could be working, you know, perfectly, but there's things outside of our control that could wipe out our plans. And, um, and it really is related to, you know, health and life. And so I want to ask you, what are the primary life and health risks that need to be considered throughout someone's life uh, that may impact their investments, their livelihood, and these three phases? Absolutely. Well, many times when we're writing a plan or when when clients have a plan in place, um, a lot of the time they are assuming certain things. So let's say uh, that before they have their income begin in the distribution phase, they're assuming that they're going to be working Mm -hmm. up until a certain age. So if they want to retire at 66 or 67 or 62, they're assuming they're going to be working and earning a certain amount of income. So there's a lot of assumption there that Mm -hmm. that's going to happen. Um, So what could make that not happen? Well, Mm. there's a number of things. (laughs) Uh, um, There's disability and, of course, there's death. And I think a lot of people, they think about death, like what if something happened to me, you know, Mm -hmm. and I'm gone. But a lot of people don't think about, well, what if something happens to me and I can't do the same job or I can't do any job or I can't Mm -hmm. do a job at the same pay as right. I always have. And so all of those things are risks because we are not yet set up to yep. be able to take income from our assets. Right. And so that is a risk that could keep you from getting through the accumulation phase and then right. on to those next two phases. Right. And then so I, th- I think it is important to identify what phase you're in. But then each phase probably has a specific, you know, health risk that has to be addressed too and how we would get to retirement if for some reason this outside, you know, force we'll call it or outside happen, you know, happening happens to us that 
derails the plan. Mm-hmm. So, for example, someone's in the accumulation phase, we might say to them, hey, your money needs to be invested for growth. You know, put your money mostly in stocks. Your asset allocation is more aggressive because you have time to recover. And if you'll if you'll invest this much per month and it earns this much per month, you're going to be at a place that you're going to be able to retire, like you're saying, it, at the age that you want. But then something could come along to make that not happen. So what are the primary risks, I would say, and how do you address them in the uh, accumulation phase? So the primary risks are, you know, to your income or to your future saving. Mm -hmm. And so generally the accumulation phase, we're looking at disability, Mm -hmm. short-term, long-term disability, and then life insurance. Um, and depending upon what your risks are and also what your desires are um, mm-hmm. would dictate also what kind of life insurance we're looking at. Mm-hmm. But um, short-term disability, which a lot of times is available you know, through mm-hmm. your employer, uh, something that uh, a lot of times is provided, maybe a certain level of benefit there. Um, long-term disability, something you can opt in for. Mm-hmm. But let's just let's just say that you don't have any of those things in place. Right. And let's say that you're 35 years old, so you've got another you know 30 years to work, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you have a heart attack. Mm-hmm. It th- not only is that going to possibly affect your income, whether it be right. short-term or long-term. Not only is that going to affect also your ability to continue to save, but it might also affect your ability to get life insurance. Mm-hmm. And so all of those things, uh, all of those health things, yep. cancer, um, even something mm-hmm. that you really fully recover from can also now make it so that you're not able to cover mm-hmm. those risks as well if you don't right. do it early enough. Right. That's a great point. And so the whole goal of retirement planning retirement income planning is to get to the place where you can leave your job nine to five and have enough assets to give you the income you need so that you can give and serve and enjoy life like never before. Uh, That's obviously the mission of our firm. And so, you know, what Samantha's talking about here is that when you're in the accumulation phase, you know, the goal is you have to work and you have to save. And all of a sudden, if something happens to you that loses that ability to work and to save, you're not going to get there. And so we obviously would recommend disability insurance. We believe that everyone should have it. Like you mentioned, uh, through your employer, most people give away short-term disability. It's part of your perk. Um, and, and if someone doesn't have short-term disability, that's not the end of the world per se because they can cover that through an emergency fund. Absolutely, yeah. And then, uh, but long-term disability, we recommend that everybody has. And so if your employer offers it, great. You should probably opt in for that. Uh, if, if they don't, you're self-employed, we recommend that you look at it because that's the one thing during that accumulation phase that could make a retirement not happen. So you have to address that risk. And the other one you mentioned is life insurance. So even when someone's in the accumulation phase, you know, why is life insurance important to people in that phase? We have a lot of times other people that we're taking care of or uh, they're depending upon our income. Uh, most families these days are two income families, you know, in that accumulation phase, most people or a lot of people are having their family. So now they have small people that are dependent mm-hmm. on them. Right. And uh, even though they may, if, if you passed away during that period of time, you, you may have a spouse that could pick up and, mm-hmm. you know, take care of things, but it's going to cost more to do that. Right. Generally, they're going to have to get child care to help. Um, they may have to have uh, other help in other areas. Mm-hmm. And so th- those risks are very real. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say if you have small children, if you have children still at home, right. 
you have you have something that needs to be covered. Absolutely. And so how much life insurance, I mean, how do you make that determination and how much <laughs> life insurance someone needs? Uh, when that's in a really good yeah. question. Yeah. People ask that and I say, right. you know, it, you probably can't afford how much insurance you really need. Right. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I love what you say, Stephen, and I've adopted this, is any plan is better than no plan. Right. And I really appreciate that because I think that we can start with what we can. So mm-hmm. we recommend at least 10 times an annual income mm-hmm. uh, for whatever right. insurance you're doing. Most people at this phase of life are going or phase of investing are going to do uh, term mm-hmm. insurance because it is the least expensive way to cover the risk. Okay. Um, and then if you can't afford 10 times – then start where you can't afford. Right. Figure out how much per month you can spend there and mm-hmm. go with that number and then review it mm-hmm. because in two or three years, your income may be higher. Mm-hmm. Another reason to review it, but you also may be able to afford more. Right. And so um, you can review those things and you don't want to change too, you know, too many times because right. that'll get very expensive. Yeah. But you may just add additional oh. uh, pieces of insurance right. to get what you need. And also you can get it a lot of times through your employer mm-hmm. for a lot less expensive right. than your own personal policy. Right. The only caution on that is remember that if if you lose your job, mm-hmm. your coverage generally goes away. Sometimes right. you have the ability to continue that, right. but you probably won't get the best rate at that point. Right. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, group life insurance, the advantage is, yeah, no no health underwriting, but if you buy your own, there's underwriting. But uh, like you just mentioned, the main thing is really, I, I heard someone say this before, and that is the only life insurance policy that matters is the one that's enforced in the day that you die. So if your company gives you know, free life insurance, that's great. But you, you would have to die while you're still employed there for that to, to benefit you or your family. So uh, we think it's best to get your own independently owned life insurance policy if at all possible. You mentioned you know term life, obviously, while people are saving and they're investing for retirement. Uh, that's the one they need, especially probably during the accumulation phase. Um, you know, term policies are temporary. They have a 10-year, 20-year, or 30-year term to them. But then there's permanent life insurance. Is there is there a need or a time where someone who's in the accumulation phase, they're more than 10 years out from retirement, that they might need a permanent life insurance policy? Yeah. So permanent life insurance policies are really beneficial for a number of reasons um, if you have these concerns or if you have these desires. So Number one, there's no easier or better way to provide legacy, no cheaper mm-hmm. way to provide legacy for your family. And True. sometimes I find that with certain uh, people, like if they inherited money from their parents or grandparents, mm-hmm. sometimes legacy is really important to them. I want to make sure that I leave money behind. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's not something that people really want to do. But right. that is one reason to consider it. Um, another reason would be uh, if, the, if you have something or someone – um, that is always going to have the need for what you're providing, and mm-hmm. it never goes away, right. no matter how old you are, no matter if you're in t- retirement or anything. Um, that may be a time that you would consider to have a permanent policy. Mm-hmm. And then another one is if you really want to be able to contribute to something that can create some tax-free income for you in the future. Um, let's say that you make uh, above the threshold to be able to contribute to a Roth. Mm-hmm. Maybe you'd want to consider permanent life insurance um, mm. in order to be able to contribute to something that then would be able to give you some tax-free income right. in retirement. So there are a, a number of reasons why you might consider that. Yep. And like you said, uh, you, you do it while you're healthy. 
the longer you wait, the more risk someone takes in not being healthy and not being able to get it. So, um, so even though, you know, most people would recommend term and we would too, but there is still a place for permanent life insurance in the accumulation phase. And, uh, Samantha just mentioned those, um, and she mentioned a key word and that is, you know, tax free, I guess there's two words, but <laughs> I look at it as one word tax free. Uh, there are very, hyphenated, right. Hyphenated. That's right. <laughs> so in the world of tax free, uh, we're very limited. Yeah. And so you have Roth IRAs, you know, for retirement. When it comes to retirement income planning, there are really only two options. One is a Roth IRA. One is the one you just mentioned, and that is someone could draw out tax-free income from a life insurance policy. And that's something a lot of people don't really know that they can do. But as you said, you know, for someone who, uh, you know, earns too much money, they can't contribute to a Roth. This is a good alternative. And maybe even for someone who already is contributing to a Roth IRA and they still have more savings and they're interested in tax-free income in the future. Uh, let me move on to the preservation phase. So we talked about the risk we have to address in the, uh, the accumulation phase, especially from the standpoint of we have our investment plan, we have our retirement income plan, um, what could destroy that? In, in the preservation phase, uh, what would you say, again, are, are the primary risks? It's kind of like a bridge mm-hmm. to get to this distribution phase, but what are the risks you know, people should look at to say, okay, now that I'm here, what could destroy the plan? Mm-hmm. Well, definitely death is still yep, <laughs> one of the things that could happen. Because that's one you're, that's <laughs> all the way through. That's all, all the way through. Yes, that's, that's right. right. So, <laughs> uh, you know, sometimes people ask me, you know, I've had this since the kids were little. Do I really still need right. this term policy? You know, it continues for another 10 years. Should I still keep mm-hmm. paying on it? Well, if if you losing your income uh, would, you know, really affect the people around you, even mm-hmm. if it's just you and your spouse, if your plan is written so that you work until a certain yes. age and you haven't reached that age yet, then absolutely you still need to have that in place. Okay. Um, so mm-hmm. in that preservation phase, I would say life insurance and then disability. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's still the same well, you're because still you're working. still working. Yep. And so the risk is still the same. So definitely those two things. Okay. Um, and, and then I think what comes into play um, most often during this phase is people also start thinking about long-term care need. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes people think about that when they're younger, yep. um, but really the focus is a little bit more on disability, long-term disability mm-hmm. insurance at that point. But when the kids are through college, you know, you have a little bit more uh, spendable income mm-hmm. or you can start thinking about those things. That's generally the phase when people are starting to think, hey, do I need to have some long-term care insurance? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe you have a, a parent who mm-hmm. had long-term care or a grandparent, or maybe you have certain health conditions that uh, run in your family, mm-hmm. and you know that you may, may have a slightly higher risk right. um, to have some of those. That's definitely something to explore. Right. Um, but really, we know that if people live long enough, chances are, I mean, right. it's a very high likelihood that one of the other spouse will right. need, end up needing care at some, some point. Some sort of long-term care. Yeah. Um, that's a massive financial risk that people face going yes. into retirement. So that leads us to the distribution phase. What types of, and you just brought one of them up for sure. Uh, again, in the distribution phase, what types of health, life risk could derail or destroy the best you know financial plan you could have or best investment mix you could have. There's still things that could wipe that out. You just mentioned it. Sure, absolutely. So long-term yep. care. Long-term care, um, I number mean, one when, answer. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, people don't like to think about this. Mm-hmm. They don't really like to talk about it. Um, right. And I'm going to use True. the same saying I said earlier, any plan is better than no mm-hmm. plan. And what I find is that most people have no plan. Um, and so they, long-term care insurance will protect against 
your plan blowing up. Absolutely. Um, because if you have to live long enough in, in those situations, it can easily wipe out mm-hmm. um, your finances altogether. Yep. Um, and so long-term care insurance is something that you can look at as a, as a traditional long-term care mm-hmm. insurance, or you can also look at it from a life insurance with maybe yeah. some sort of long-term care benefit rider mm-hmm. um, also. So that would be, sometimes people say, well, you know, if I pay into a long-term care traditional mm-hmm. plan, what if I don't use it? Yep. Which is kind of funny because it's the only insurance right. that we feel that way about. Exactly. <laughs> we don't yeah. have homeowner's insurance and hope our house burns down. That's and we right. don't you know, have car insurance and hope we get in a wreck. Yes. But when you have long-term care insurance, you, you, to, you hope you're going to need it. it out. Exactly. Right. You hope you're getting um, money back. So, so if you are someone who says, you know, I just want to make sure I get something mm-hmm. out of this policy, uh, then you might want to look at a life policy. So basically yeah. what that means is if you never need long-term care, then your beneficiaries get the benefit of the payout when you die. Mm-hmm. Um, if you do need long-term care, then you're going to be able to use the policy while you're still alive yep. um, to be able to uh, gain benefit to pay for those expenses. Right. And that eliminates this whole idea of a wasted premium. Right. So, um, so again, just to remind everybody in the audience, we did do a, uh, a an episode, Samantha, just on this subject okay. on long-term care using you know, traditional insurance and life long-term care. So I'm glad you brought that up. Those of you who are listening to this podcast, maybe for the first time, you can go back and listen to that podcast that we did on the subject of long-term care um, insurance. And so, uh, Samantha, thank you. So I think it's very important as we close the show today to remind everybody the three phases of investing, the accumulation phase, the preservation phase, the distribution phase. It's important to identify that because that determines how you should invest your money during those time periods, what risk you should address during those time periods. But really what Samantha was talking about today is once you have the plan, once you have the investments, what are the things that could still make that not happen? You're doing everything you're supposed to do. And so she mentioned in the, basically from the accumulation phase, at least through some of the preservation phase, you need disability insurance, long-term disability insurance. And then all of a sudden there's a time where it transitions from needing long-term disability to long-term care. And then there's always life insurance across the board. You need life insurance pretty much in all three phases of, of, of your investment life regardless and then you transition at some point from needing long-term disability to long-term care. In closing, Samantha, I'm going to give this back to Eric in just a moment, but I'm going to give you one more chance. Is there anything you would like, you know, from a financial planning perspective or on these phases or about insurance in general you would like to say in closing? Yes, I would. Okay. <laughs> uh, what I really love about what Wise Wealth does, and this is actually why I came to Wise Wealth, was because if you don't have a plan, and by a plan, a very defined plan where you're looking through a certain framework, framework of the three buckets, framework of, of the different phases, otherwise you have a lot of financial decisions. What I find is a lot of people have a lot of things kind of floating in the air above them, like should I should I get life insurance? Should I get disability mm-hmm. insurance? Should I have long-term care insurance? And there's all these decisions mm-hmm. that are kind of floating out there, but there's no way for them to really determine what should they have, what's right. wise for them to have, and what's not wise for them, or what's unnecessary. Mm-hmm. And about insurance, you should always know why you have the insurance that you have. Right. It should be for a purpose, for a 
reason. Mm -hmm. And so though the framework that we use at Wise Wealth that you created and I Mm -hmm. love is so helpful because Mm -hmm. it becomes obvious what pieces need to be in place. And it takes the, you know, all the confusion away. Um, Everything becomes crystal clear and we know what we have, why we have it and how long we need to have it. And I think that is so key for people um, to really know that they're going to be able to retire when they want to. I think that is excellent. Samantha, I appreciate that. Great way to end the show. The plan determines the products. Everyone should know why they and what they own, even when it comes from investments and insurance. And so thank you for that, Eric. With that, I'm going to give it back to you to close the show. I appreciate that. Samantha, thank you so much for being on. Um, I will say this. I was listening intently, but I also cheated. Uh, I jumped on the website, did a little poking around, and it looks like May 13th is a really big deal. May 13th is a really big deal. You are correct. Mm -hmm. So we had paused a little bit because of a lot of things that were Mm -hmm. going on um, with COVID and restrictions and that kind of thing. Um, So Wise Women meets on a monthly basis, usually the second Thursday of each month. We have some connecting time. We have educational topics. We learn a lot about finances. We learn a lot about uh, um, many things that impact our finances. Mm -hmm. And um, May 13th is our relaunch. So we're very, very excited to get back together at our monthly luncheon, um, which you can find more information at about wisewomenkc.com. Absolutely. Fantastic. And I'm sure they can connect with you on there as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Perfect. You can send me a message through there. Samantha, thank you so much for being on the show. And Stephen, thank you for introducing us to this uh, incredible teammate. I'm looking for, forward to the next podcast. I know you're bringing somebody else on uh, that you're going to be interviewing. So we'll look forward to that. And of course, our last thank you goes to you, the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Simplify Your Retirement podcast with Stephen Strickland. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Stephen comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks so much for listening today. For everyone at Wise Wealth, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Simplify Your Retirement podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Wise Wealth LLC or Simplify Your Retirement. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of a financial advisor or other qualified financial professionals with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.